If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tonight, shut down. An unauthorized exclusive COVID vaccine clinic prompts personal action by one mayor. Plus. Yes, there are some things that we will be able to do. Do those who've now been vaccinated in BC have more freedoms and should they? Also, this is like saying, you know, that, you know, I'm putting myself ahead of your health. The industry reacts to a Vancouver restaurateur who insists on breaking the COVID rules. Now what the mayor is saying and it's a a massive sigh of relief. The B.C. community now living in a post COVID world, at least at home and what it will take for the rest of us. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. A teenager is fighting for his life after a stabbing on Vancouver's west side this afternoon. Vancouver police say just before 2 o'clock, officers responded to a 911 call of a fight between a group of young people in Almond Park near Alma Street and West 12th Avenue. The boy was stabbed and rushed to hospital in critical condition. One person was arrested and the investigation is ongoing. A man has now been charged in connection with the that brazen murder a week ago, a deadly gang hit in Vancouver's Coal Harbor. 31-year-old Harpreet Singh Dhaliwal was gunned down outside of Cardero's restaurant on the city's busy seawall just before 9 o'clock last Saturday night. A gun with a silencer was spotted at the crime scene. Not long after, a man was stabbed a few blocks away and a vehicle linked to a known gang associate crashed and three people fled the scene. Court records show Francois-Joseph Gautier now faces murder and firearms charges. The 51-year-old remains in custody pending his next court appearance. It was the first of three killings in busy public areas this week, believed to be associated with the ongoing Metro Vancouver gang conflict. The mayor of West Vancouver has cancelled her membership at an exclusive country club after reports it planned to hold a pop-up COVID-19 vaccination clinic. Marianne Booth shared her decision on Twitter, saying, Although I did not receive the invitation to Hollyburn Country Club's exclusive pop-up vaccination clinic, I was appalled when I heard about it through the media. It is completely unacceptable, and I have cancelled my family's Hollyburn membership in response. The health ministry called the reported clinic unacceptable, adding it had cancelled the clinic and would not provide any additional vaccines to the pharmacy involved. Global News reached out to the club for comment but did not hear back by deadline. Well, as more British Columbians are vaccinated, many are also asking whether the provincial government will ease restrictions for those who achieve substantial immunity to COVID-19. But as Richard Zussman reports, the answers aren't simple. Add Jackie Hoffer to a growing club in British Columbia, those who have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. 
I'm not uh, going to rush out to a patio or a bar anytime soon because I'm, I want the people who work there also to be vaccinated. Around 33% of eligible British Columbians have now received the first poke, leading many to ask themselves the obvious question, what can I do now I couldn't before? People will feel uh, more free, perhaps, but I think if we see the spread continue, I hope that the government will um, be more clear about how to live in this interim period. The province grappling with this interim period. Hospitalizations are up, new restrictions are in, but there are those that are feeling the shot is enough to serve as a barrier of protection. Yes, there are some things that we will be able to do, but right now there's not enough of us uh, who are protected with vaccine that we can start on that road yet. Countries like Israel put in place vaccine passports where those with two shots could go to nightclubs and other jam-packed venues. It's not a popular proposition, but you know what? I've worked in Africa on and off for the last 15 years, and you don't cross a border there. You don't do anything without your yellow fever card. Nobody argues about it. You just do it. Vaccinated people can still get sick or pass the virus on, but that doesn't make it any easier for those that feel protected. I think it's going to be really hard for a lot of people. I mean, my partner is especially bridling, you know, just going crazy underneath the restrictions that we have. By the end of the May long weekend, we're going to be in a different place and we'll be able to start thinking about how do we get um, our arts and culture and sports and other things going again. The goal is to have 60% of eligible British Columbians vaccinated by then, an important milestone to reduce community spread and get to that different place. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Day two of new travel restrictions imposed by the province to try to stop the spread, and many are just beginning to realize the impact. Whether you're having to postpone or cancel travel plans or your business depends on tourism, as Imadika, he reports, most are warily hoping that this will be the last of our circuit breaker measures. Around the province, travel restrictions are beginning to sink in with British Columbians. It's unfortunate, but it is what we need to do right now. Kamloops golfing trips postponed, wine tours in the interior cancelled. A resort trip to Osoyoos booked six months ago to help cope with pandemic stress is now just not happening. I was conflicted because the, the recommendation was, you know, don't travel unless it's essential. Um, we have two people working in an 850 square foot apartment for the last 13 months, so your mental health does start to get a little essential. BC officials who say they've been recommending against leisurely movement within the province now forced to play their next card. While the province and the provincial health officer have long asked British Columbians to stay within their own communities, the time has come to formally restrict non-essential travel. From now until the end of May long weekend, the province is split into three zones, one being Vancouver Island, two, the metro area of Fraser and Vancouver Coastal Health, and the third, a combination of interior and northern health. Travel between these new health boundaries can now be punished with a $575 fine. We were going to be super cautious. We were taking the car. We were going to sit in the car on the ferry. We were taking our lunch so we wouldn't eat out. We plan to go to Tofino this year. We always plan a mother-daughter trip every year. 
It's clear many were desperate for a change of scenery to recharge their batteries after a draining pandemic, but the province is stressing what is now yet another round of restrictions will buy some time for more vaccinations and slow the spread of COVID variants. Amadagahi, Global News. And the travel restrictions mean that some people will have to cancel their bookings without compensation. Many short-term rentals have strict cancellation policies that are fully disclosed at the time of bookings. Darian Matassafung reports on a situation in which no matter what, someone is coming up short. It's tough because we're, not, we're trying to do the right thing. Public health restrictions to not travel between health regions has prompted many British Columbians to cancel travel plans. And in some cases, it is leading to conflicts over cancellation policies and refunds, especially with short-term rentals. We exchanged a bunch of emails back and forth with, with the owner and they, they were very firm on the fact that they had a cancellation policy and you're cancelling. Sasha and Nathan Schumacher booked their stay in Penticton back in January. They wanted to check out the area as they are thinking of moving to the Okanagan. But when travel restrictions came down this week, they realized their reason for coming would not be deemed essential. We first reached out to uh, VRBO. They said that there's nothing they can do as it's all up to kind of the homeowner's discretion. Rohan Pavalon, the vacation rental owner, says he has a very strict cancellation policy and is operating within all of Verbo's policies as well. My policy is... You get a 100% refund if you cancel within 60 days. They booked four months ago. You get a 100% refund if you cancel within 60 days. You get a 50% refund if you cancel within 30 days. They want to cancel their booking, which is in nine days. I have offered them yesterday a 40% refund if they cancel within 24 hours. The government advising tourism operators cancel out-of-area guests, but keeping mum on refund policies. I think that there are people in our situation um, and they want to do the right thing, but they're going to lose thousands of dollars if they do the right thing. And there might be people who will say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take that risk and go on my trip anyway. and do mm -hmm. it anyway. And, you know, I, I think that's a really tough position to be in to have to make that choice. The Schumachers did end up cancelling and taking the 40% refund that was offered to them. Darian Matassafung, Global News. One of Vancouver's most popular sites reopened its doors today in Chinatown. The Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden is allowing visitors after a six-month closure just in time to celebrate its 35th anniversary. The garden closed in October because of a lack of foot traffic in the neighborhood, particularly over the winter. The garden is imposing strict limits on visitor numbers with tickets sold in 30-minute intervals. But they are inviting local residents to come down. We're bouncing back. It's the year of the ox. We're a resilient community. Chinatown has always been fighting back and we are celebrating our 35th year. So that's something to celebrate for sure. I encourage people to come down, not to just visit the garden, but we've got a free Chinese Canadian museum across the street. Uh, please come down, visit the shops, eat at the eateries. Uh, come take a stroll down in the neighboring neighborhoods. 
The parents of a UBC grad student who went missing in Manning Park last fall resumed a private search for their son last month, and they're not giving up. 25-year-old Jordan Natier was last seen in October 2020 on Saturday before Thanksgiving. The UBC engineering grad told friends he had planned a solo hike over the Thanksgiving weekend. His black Honda Civic was found at the Frosty Mountain Trailhead. The official search was suspended later that month, but Natier's parents, who flew out from Newfoundland, hired a private search company and continued scouring Manning Park until December. And now that effort has been renewed. We've got very strong teams, very small teams, that head out three times a week into the Windy Joe, Frosty, and Skyline Trails. The ultimate goal is to bring our son home, find him and bring him home. Jordan is an electrical engineer. Um, he's, he's, he's a very smart, hands-on young man. And Jordan's always mastered and overcome any challenge that he's had in life. We know our son, and we know he can survive this. Officials in Alberta are trying to solve a nearly 40-year-old aviation mystery. RCMP are asking any outdoor enthusiasts between Fox Creek, Alberta, west of Edmonton, and Prince George, B.C. to keep an eye out for any wreckage. On April 29, 1982, a Cessna 185 with five people on board crashed somewhere between those two cities. It's believed there was a fuel tank issue before takeoff and foul play was never suspected. Authorities want to provide answers for the missing men's families. Anyone with information is asked to call local police or Crime Stoppers. A road washout has residents in central B.C. concerned. Horsefly Road is closed in both directions, about 30 kilometers east of Williams Lake. A few hundred residents now have to take a slow detour. No word yet on what caused the collapse, but residents say there has been extensive logging in the area. Still to come, the B.C. city that's showing us what a post-pandemic world looks like. But first... Everybody's trying to distance themselves from those actions of that particular business. The industry reacts to a Vancouver restaurateur who insists on breaking COVID rules. Now, what the mayor is saying, and... What? You guys started this! This is self-defense! The takedown of an alleged violent suspect in a downtown Vancouver grocery store, and it's all caught on camera. The latest, next. A Kitsilano restaurant owner's continued defiance of the public health orders could prevent it from reopening its doors anytime soon. Last night, people opposed to the circuit breaker measures held a rally outside Cordroy Lounge, and that has the mayor of Vancouver looking to intervene. Paul Johnson has the latest. There's an old bit of folk wisdom that goes, you can't fight City Hall. After organizing this rally in front of a restaurant Friday night, Rebecca Matthews succeeded in getting the attention of Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart, who tweeted Saturday he may seek a court injunction to finally shut her down. Others in powerful office have also taken note. It's very frustrating to see the, uh, the usual suspects, a small minority of what are literally COVIDians. I am a mom of four. Um, I have mouths to feed. There's a lot of reasons to be sympathetic about the story of restaurant owners like Matthews. Their business is ravaged by the whipsaw of a year of restrictions. But is there any business strategy in getting crosswise with your mayor and the province's solicitor general. 
I can't even think of an example. Industry veteran and advocate Ian Tostenson says beyond the issues with government, there's the likelihood of poisoning relations with suppliers, creditors, and of course, customers. When you decide to go rogue, um, the majority of British Columbians are not going to appreciate that whatsoever because they see that as putting their safety in jeopardy. Do you know who Klaus Schwab is, Mr. Global News? One of the speakers at the rally was this woman, a regular attendee of COVID protest rallies. Friday, she told us we need to investigate the role of the Freemasons in the lockdowns. That Matthews has apparently decided these activists are more helpful to her success is baffling to Tostenson, who even tried to hook her up with government grants a few weeks ago. She declined. You would still do that. That's what this industry is all about, is helping each other. But, boy, I tell you, right now, she's not uh, at all interested in, in that particular peace offer. Paul Johnson, Global News. A Vancouver grocery store worker is recovering after being injured while trying to restrain another violent customer. For what? You guys started this! This is self-defense! The suspect, who was not wearing a mask, was captured on camera going berserk inside the IGA on Robson Street just before 5 o'clock Friday afternoon. Police allege he struck an, struck an employee in the head, threatened a second worker, and smashed several flower pots. Staff and bystanders held the man down until police arrested him for assault with a weapon, uttering threats and mischief. In February, the VPD set up a public safety trailer with multiple high-definition security cameras outside the downtown grocery store, which has been hit hard by a series of violent shoplifting incidents. West Shore RCMP are investigating after a shoplifting suspect unleashed bear spray in a Langford corner store. It happened Thursday at the Devonshire Market on Goldstream Avenue. Police say the store owner caught a man trying to steal something and told him to leave. The suspect left but made comments about lighting fires as he walked out. The owner then smelled bear spray. RCMP attended and found the suspect had sprayed bear spray into the store through an external vent. Nine independent bookshops are teaming up to celebrate Vancouver as a literary city. Iron Dog Books on Hastings Street is one of the stores holding a draw for a bag of gift, a gift bag of local books. It's part of the National Independent Bookstore Day, a day to celebrate and appreciate smaller booksellers. They're having to complete, compete against giants such as Amazon, but say they're holding their own even as the pandemic sends shoppers online. Bookstores aren't just surviving, we're thriving. I really think that one of the big effects of the pandemic has been that we've seen how important it is to have these services available in our communities and not just through shipping. Because we've seen the breakdown of international supply lines, we've seen the how important it is to be able to walk around the corner instead of having to travel far away from your house to purchase things. So independent bookshops are actually doing really well. Coming up next, a new strategy to cool one of Canada's hottest COVID zones. What Ontario is now doing that seems to be working and how BC led the way. And the symptoms to expect when you're vaccinated and what it means if you don't react. Next. Endeavour arriving.
It was all hugs and smiles at the International Space Station as four more crew members were welcomed aboard from the SpaceX Dragon. The joint SpaceX Crew 2 and the ISS have officially joined up to make one big group of 11 people now in orbit. It was quite the precision task to line up, seal and lock the two craft together. The new crew is scheduled to stay on board the station for six months, performing science experiments and station upgrades. That also means the Crew-1 astronauts, who have been on board for six months, are preparing to fly back to Earth on April 28th. Canada's largest province is taking a new approach to rising COVID case numbers. It's using pop-up vaccine clinics in hot spots, a strategy that has worked in other parts of the country, including right here. For the 12th day this month, the province is reporting 4,000 new cases. But as Mike Drolet reports, there is optimism that number will soon fall. There was little in the way of publicity for this vaccine pop-up and little need as well. I got lucky just passing by here, drove by, saw that there was a line hopped in, and um, I feel good, honestly. I feel blessed. Word spread quickly in Toronto's Thorncliffe Park neighbourhood. 3,000 vaccine doses were made available as part of a new strategy to target the city's hotspots. Uh, the lineup, um, it's pretty long, but to be honest, I've seen a lot worse. It's actually a provincial plan, but with low vaccine supply, Ontario has yet to say how it will service its top 74 hotspots. The city of Toronto made the decision to use what it had now in the areas that need it the most, making the vaccine available to anybody over the age of 16. So they're lining up rather than waiting in some cases weeks or months before their turn comes up. It's a similar tactic used after an outbreak in Prince Rupert, B.C., which saw its weekly cases drop from over 100 to only three last week after a push to vaccinate. Totally the right move. It's pouring your water where the fire is burning hottest. It protects essential workers. It protects vulnerable communities. And while that's the goal in Ontario, the statistics show that residents in high-risk neighbourhoods are less likely to get vaccinated, in part because of language and cultural barriers. To that end, the city is hiring community ambassadors, a move applauded by top doctors, who now believe we could see the third wave begin to dip in a few weeks. So, of course, the situation we're in is far, far, far from ideal. But there are real arrows pointing in the direction that we're going to get out of this situation. And there's also real arrows in the direction that the midterm and longer term future look good. But that positive outlook comes with an important caveat. We can't get complacent. Mike Trillet, Global News, Toronto. Procurement Minister Anita Anand says Canada is ready to assist India with PPE and ventilators. India's government is trying to get oxygen tanks to bedsides where patients are suffocating from COVID-19. Today, India reported more than 346,000 new cases. More than 2,600 people have died in just 24 hours. But it's believed there are far more cases and deaths than are being reported. Doctors blame the rise in cases on the government allowing religious festivals and election rallies. A submarine missing off the coast of Bali appears to have sunk with no survivors on board. The update comes after days of searching for the vessel carrying 53 crew members last seen on Wednesday during a training exercise. Indonesian Navy officials say the submarine was expected to run out of oxygen early this morning. Rescue crews have found several items from the sub, including prayer rugs and a grease bottle used to oil the periscope. 
If you think you're feeling isolated, a team of volunteers in France was greeted with cheers at the end of a 40-day stay in a deep, dark cave. Eight men and seven women took part in the experiment. They were completely isolated with no light, no phones, no contact with the outside world either. No one, no concept of time. They had to follow their biological clocks to know when to wake up, when to sleep, and when to eat. When the end came, some thought there was still a week or so left. Scientists hope the study will reveal more about how people adapt to drastic changes in living conditions and environments. In Health Matters tonight, some hopeful news about Alzheimer's treatment. Researchers in the Albert in the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York have designed a drug that reverses key symptoms of Alzheimer's disease in mice. Doctors say some factors that contribute to Alzheimer's in mice also occur in humans, which gives hope this drug may one day help people with the disease. Well, now that more than a third of British Columbians have been vaccinated against COVID-19, we're hearing more about different reactions to the shots. It appears how the shots affect you depends a whole lot on, well, a whole lot of things. Reaction to the vaccination? It varies. A lot of people mention like the first shot, their arm hurts, but the second shot is the one that usually puts them out. Well, both times I had the Pfizer vaccine and my arm was, you know, quite sore for a couple of days, but that passed. Except the next couple of days I was really dragging, very tired, but nothing to complain about. Uh, my body was a little achy, but uh, after the first day I felt uh, pretty normal. Yeah, your body's working hard. It hasn't seen this invader before. The first time, it's kind of sluggish. Dr. Peter Chin Hong, UCSF infectious disease specialist, explains what's going on behind the scenes in our bodies. So why are there different reactions? It really reflects the range of people's experiences, where their body has been, what uh, medical conditions they have, how old they are, what gender they are. Uh, even the type of foods uh, may influence how briskly you respond. The Center for Disease Control said about 70% reported pain when they received the Moderna or Pfizer shot. Other common side effects included fatigue, headache, and muscle pain. And then there was a smaller percentage who had the full blown out chills and fever. If you have a strong reaction, that means you have a stronger immunity. Fact or myth? Uh, myth, the amount of reaction you have is not related to how uh, good your immune system is. It's just one part of the immune system. Full-blown chills and fever, but I'm fine now. What happens, though, when an entire city gets vaccinated? We've seen the results that uh, vaccines do work. Why Prince Rupert is showing us what we all have to look forward to. That's coming up, but first, crash testing electric vehicles. What you should know, even if you don't drive one. Next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Just how safe are you in an electric vehicle? The crash test results you'll want to see. That's coming up right after Yvonne's forecast. Yvonne. 
Thanks, Colleen. It was a cool start to our weekend and tracking some wet weather. We've had a great stretch. We had over 10 days of drying conditions uh, through the day today. And as we get in towards this evening, we'll still see some on and off rain. Temperatures, though, 11 was the high to the airport, 10 for Victoria. Soyuz today bumping up to 14 and areas near Kamloops climbing up to 17 degrees. Now, with that high today, 10 and 11 degrees, still below the average. It typically sits at 14 and a record on this day, 21 degrees. That was set back in 1992. Here's a quick glance as we get in overnight tonight. We'll still see that rainfall, a few heavier pockets through the morning hours. So a heads up and then late in the day for tomorrow, it'll just change over to a chance of showers and highs will be very similar to what we're seeing today up to 10 degrees. Now a quick glance at what we're tracking. The system is still working its way in for the southern interior and southeastern corners. So that weather maker is going to bring some instability on Sunday and we'll see that across the south coast on the future cast as we put it into play. There's the cloud cover for the morning hours with the potential for some wet weather and then late in the day is when it'll start to ease off. Now a heads up, especially uh, late this evening and overnight, we still do have some snowfall for higher elevations along the Coke and Allison Pass. The connector could still see up to five centimeters and there is a special weather statement that is in effect in place for the Kootenai Pass. So from the Paulson Summit to Kootenai Pass, 10 and up to 20 centimeters. That'll continue through Sunday. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Update on the flood concerns. We've got a flood watch for the areas in yellow, uh, orange rather, and that's for the Nazco River, and it also includes the San Jose River. Areas in yellow, that's a high stream flow advisory. Now, the northern half of the province, different weather story and different weather picture. Sunny, dry, highs will be up to 17 along the coast. The northeastern corners, dry conditions, much of the central interior. The instability is there for the southeastern corners with even a few flurries for higher elevations, changing over to a chance of showers. Risk of a thunderstorm will be areas near Castlegar, and then all areas along the south coast we are looking at that wet weather continuing for our Sunday. It'll be on and off, easing off, though, with the chance of showers towards the afternoon. A cooler day for tomorrow at 10. Bumping up and rebounding on Monday. We'll be back into some sunshine and highs up to 15. Colleen? All right. Not all bad. Thanks, Yvonne. With more people becoming environmentally conscious and more regulations discouraging pollution, a growing number of electric vehicles are hitting the road. They're helping to reduce our carbon footprint, but how safe are they? Well, experts are now putting some e-powered cars through their paces to find out. In crash test to the front and the side, the 2021 Ford Mustang Mach-E performed well, earning a top safety pick award. The SUV is just one of several electric vehicles recently analyzed by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. The Volvo XC40 Recharge, Audi e-tron, and Tesla Model 3 all earned the highest honor of Top Safety Pick Plus. These electric vehicles are performing just as well as the internal combustion engine models. IIHS President David Harkey calls the results encouraging since the manufacturing of electric cars is speeding up. Some automakers are planning to shift their fleets almost completely to e-power in the coming decades. It has really good protection when it comes to crashworthiness and it has the same features when it comes to collision avoidance. Electric cars also appear to perform better in the real world, protecting drivers and passengers. The Highway Loss Data Institute says injury claims for electric vehicles were about 40% lower than accidents involving identical gas-powered models. One of the reasons we think we are seeing that is because the weight of an electric vehicle is greater. 
e-powered cars weigh more because of the heavy batteries. And research shows occupants in heavier vehicles experience less force in a crash, leading to fewer injuries. And so that's good news for consumers. They can have confidence in purchasing an electric vehicle. The IIHS will test more electric cars later this year to see if they also make the grade. Nancy Chen, CBS News, New York. All right, Barry, I liked your point. Yeah, the cars might be safe, but standing in the middle of road to do a report, not yeah, so exactly. safe. Yeah, exactly. Test out that theory right away. <laughs> I'm kidding. What do you got coming up? Ah, lots coming up today. The Whitecaps played against Toronto this afternoon. Highlights of that coming up. We'll set up the Canucks game against Ottawa. Brooke Henderson has returned to the winner's circle on the LPGA. That just happened a few minutes ago, so I'll have all the highlights of that. And Tristan Connolly from Langley, who we uh, featured yesterday. Big UFC fight for him today in Florida. Highlights of that coming up as well. All righty. Thanks, Barry. And coming up next, what we all have to look forward to. It's a, a massive sigh of relief. What life in Prince Rupert is like after 85% of adults were vaccinated. Next. A city on B.C.'s north coast managed to rid its status as a COVID hotspot in a little over a month due to the power of mass immunizations. While not everybody gets priority access to the vaccine, Prince Rupert's success story is an example of how community buy-in can combat the virus. Kristen Robinson has more. In mid-March, Prince Rupert's skyline was overcast by some of the highest COVID-19 transmission rates in the province. More than a month later, the outlook is much brighter. It's a, a massive sigh of relief. Uh, if we had not been prioritized in this way, it, it's difficult to project what may have happened. As a COVID hotspot, the port city lost 16 of its long-term care residents. People standing at the lineup there. Once it was targeted for mass immunizations, Councillor Blair Miro says there was an 85% uptake. Prince Rupert saw its weekly cases drop from 117 at the peak to just three in early April. So I think we're living proof in Prince Rupert that vaccinating hotspots as they emerge is really a proven strategy. The faster we get up to a, a large proportion of the adult population vaccinated, um, the faster that we can turn the page on this. The province says more than 30% of eligible British Columbians have received the shot while experts say between 60 to 70 percent of us need to be vaccinated in order to achieve herd immunity. I think that's really what's going to start to bring normalcy back. Dr. Anna Blakeney says education is the best cure for vaccine hesitancy. She's using science and social media to debunk misinformation. All of the safety profiles from the clinical trials look great. So, you know, most of the participants, if they have side effects, they're mild to moderate and they go away within 24 to 48 hours. We've seen the results that uh, vaccines do work. During an eight-day clinic at Prince Rupert Civic Centre, more than 9,000 shots were administered in the city of 12,000 people. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Soon, soon. Coming up next, Barry has sports and later, cute alert, the baby teeny tiny itty bitty creatures that are mere blips of their full-sized cousins coming up after sports. Tiny fawns that set the bar very high 
for small creatures, that is. We'll have that for you right after sports with Barry, and uh, you're going to start with a little footy, and I'm not talking about animals here. That's right, soccer. So we're <laughs> a little soccer. Thanks, Colleen. The Whitecaps uh, had a chance to go to 2-0 and to start a season for just the fourth time in their 11-year MLS existence as they took on Canadian rivals Toronto FC in Toronto's temporary home of Orlando, Florida. Whitecaps were outplayed for much of their opener against Portland before winning it in the second half. They were looking for a more complete effort this afternoon. Russell Tybert, second most starts and appearances ever for a white cap. But Toronto gets off to the good start. Seventh minute in, a bit of mayhem in the Caps box. It's 20-year-old Canadian Luke Singh out of Brampton, Ontario, who scores his first MLS goal. 1-0 Toronto at the half, but the Whitecaps come out with more vigor in the second half. Lucas Cavallini on the attack, brought down in the box. Penalty awarded. And it'll be a Christian Dahomey who will take it from the spot, and he hammers one post and in. That's a perfect penalty from Dahomey. No finesse there, just drilled it, 1-1. And that gave the Caps some pep in their step. Later on, uh, the, off the free kick, Christian Gutierrez with the service. He did the same last week for a Cavallini goal. This time, it's the veteran Andy Rose, just his second as a white cap. And they're poised to take all three points with a 2-1 lead. But late in the half, the clearance goes off the head of Michael Baldissimo. Jonathan Osorio with the quick shot. Max Crapeau tries to scoop it off the line, but it's in. A literal slap in the face for the Caps, 2-2. But in stoppage time, Ryan Raposo just into the game, sent in by Cavallini, but doesn't get all of that shot. Still a good save by the goalkeeper, Alex Bono. A game saver. It ends 2-2, but tempers flaring between these rivals. The captains, Tybert and Michael Bradley getting into it. The Whitecaps settle for a point, 2-2 the final with TFC. Inside the challenges that we had in the preseason and how we were waiting on players on in visas, you know, to, to win the first game against Portland, to come here and get a point, I think it's very positive now that we could build on in the next uh, two games. It's a comeback from 1-0 from down and make no mistake, a difficult environment against a very good team to, to go on the front foot. On the left come back the like that in the second half um, and go 2-1 up. Um, that's very encouraging. Before we get to Canucks, this just in. Brooke Henderson in contention at the LPGA's Los Angeles Open, playing in the final group. Began the day four back of the leaders, Jessica Corda, but uh, Brooke comes out firing. Delicate birdie putt at seven, got her to 14 under, just one back now. Then at the 11th, her approach from 144 yards out, that's an eight iron. And this is about as good as it gets. Tough as hole on the course, but she made birdie. And now she's got the lead by one over Jin Young Ko and Jessica Korda. 12th hole, Brooks tee shot in the par three, way off the green. But look what happens. Chip shot, perfect. It's really perfect. It's in the hole. A surprise birdie. She'll take it. Gives Brooke a two-shot lead. 14th. Lining up a short but tricky putt for Birdie and knocks it in. She has not putted well this year, but this week she's been in the zone. Sixth birdie of the day, three-shot lead. By the 18th, the lead down to two. Missed the green on the tee shot on the par three, but check out the recovery. That's how a champion reacts to pressure. Brilliant chip to two feet, and then she will tap in for the par. And the one-shot win over Jessica Corda, Brooks' 10th LPGA win, but her first since the summer of 2019. Congrats to Brooke Henderson on winning the LA Open. 
After a flat performance the other night in a 3-0 loss to the Senators, Travis Green will inject some new blood into the lineup tonight. Zach McEwen gets back in. Braden Holpe starts in goal. And Tyler Mott will be back in the lineup. The Canucks have really missed his energy. He did not have a whole lot of it recovering from COVID. He probably had it the worst of anyone on the team, but he's healthy and ready to get back at it tonight. Had a few more lingering effects uh, cognitively than than maybe some others. Um, so when it comes to anything with your head, you got to be a little bit more cautious at times. Without giving uh, a deep dive into details, I was basically suffering from concussion-like symptoms for for quite a bit there, even after my other um, COVID symptoms had subsided. So again, when it comes to, to your head, I think everyone understands you need to be a little bit more cautious and, and deal with things thoroughly um, to avoid any any other issues down the line. NHL tonight, Habs and Flames from Calgary. Montreal 10 points up on the Canucks, but have played five more games. Habs get the icebreaker, but late first, Johnny Gaudreau down the wing. Wires it under the crossbar. Great shot for his 16th. Ties it 1-1 after one. Now 2-1 Flames in the second. It's Gaudreau again, thanks to the great feed from Andrew Mangiapane from his knees. 3-1 Flames in front. Late second, Habs get one back. Corey Perry, check out the play in front. Little touch pass right there to Tyler Toffoli for his 24th. Great play, but it wasn't enough. The Flames get two in the third and win it 5-2. to two. Leafs and Jets from Winnipeg. Division-leading Toronto with a six-point lead on the second-place Jets. Jets with a quick strike in the opening minute. Paul Stashney, this is a perfect saucer pass to Nick Ehlers, who tips it past Jack Campbell. One-nothing Jets, but the Leafs tied it, then went ahead. Fortuitous bounce on the shoot-in, and Mitch Marner is there for the empty net. And it's his 100th career NHL goal, 2-1 Toronto. And then off the rush in the second period, William Nylander to John Tavares, who rips the wrister past Connor Hellebuck. And the Leafs go on to win this one 4-1, now lead the Jets by eight points. Langley's Tristan Connolly on the undercard of UFC 261 in Jacksonville, Florida. Jam-packed house of fans. First time since COVID shut down 13 months ago. Connolly fighting for the first time in 19 months at featherweight against American Patrick Sabatini. And Sabatini caught him with a big shot and spent most of the first round on top of Connolly. Second round, Connolly, who's a former college wrestler, shows his wrestling skills again. Takes Connolly down and again controlled the round. Third round, Connolly does a better job staying on his feet. Catches Sabatini with a good right. And then he will get a takedown as well. He won that round, but to the judges' cards. And Sabatini wins a unanimous decision. Tristan Connolly with a game effort. He'll be back hopefully soon in the UFC. NBA tonight, uh, Toronto's R.J. Barrett and the Red Hot Knicks hosting the Raptors. Knicks have won eight in a row. Toronto's won four straight. Second half, Fred Van Vliet with the three, and the Raps have the lead. Van Vliet with 27 today. Montreal's Kem Birch has really stepped up since signing a few weeks ago. Inside presence, he can score. The Raps really, though, have missed the other Montrealer, Chris Boucher. He's out a few weeks with a knee sprain. The bench had just 11 points. The Knicks took over. R.J. Barrett driving layup. New York by five after three and they crank it up in the fourth. Once again, it's Barrett with the drive, makes the shot and the foul. 25 today for Barrett. Hey, the Knicks are for real. Ninth straight win, 120-103 over the Raptors today at Madison Square Garden. Baseball, Blue Jays and Rays from Tampa. Top of the first, Randall Grichuk, who's uh, on the previous pitch, popped it foul. The infielder couldn't make the play. 
gets another chance and he makes it pay with a three-run home run, his fourth of the year. Jays jump out 3-0, but Tampa tied it in the eighth, the two-on for the Rays. Sharply hit grounder by Manuel Margot right through the wickets of third baseman Kevin Biggio, one run scores. Jays do throw the runner out at home, but the damage done, they have made just too many errors in the first part of the season as they lose 5-3 in Tampa. Meanwhile, at Fenway Park in Boston, Seattle Mariners looking to uh, continue their surprisingly strong start. Kyle Seeger's been ripping the cover off the ball, leads the majors with a 600 average with runners in scoring position, wallops a triple to center that scores a couple, and the Mariners win again 8-2. Seattle at 13-8, second-best record in the American League. And we'll finish with some English Premiership. West Ham and Chelsea battling for fourth place. Began the day tied on 55 points late first half. Chelsea moving it nicely. Timo Werner finishing off the three-way pass play. The only goal of the match. Chelsea win 1-0. They're solo fourth and are now just a point back of third place Leicester City. That's it for sports, Colleen. All right, thanks, Barry. When we come back, two of the tiniest hooved creatures you may ever see. You'll want to see them, though. Stay with us. Featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers, worth investing in. For those of us who like all things miniature, two little creatures fit that bill. First, an itty-bitty new addition has been welcomed at the zoo in Florida. The tiny Clip Springer antelope was born earlier this month, weighing in at less than two pounds at birth. The calf is nursing well and expected to spend several weeks bonding with his four-year-old mother, Deborah, before making his public debut. Clip Springers are native to sub-Saharan Africa and only weigh about 18 to 40 pounds when they are fully grown. And then there's this, a lesser Malayan mouse deer. It's about the height of a standard pencil. The fawn was born to mother Brienne and father Jorah almost a month ago inside their enclosure at the Bristol Garden Zoo in the UK. This is father Jorah weighing about four and a half pounds. He is full grown. And Barry, I'm told, Hooking that up with a saddle and stirrups, not a good idea. <laughs> I just like all the names of uh, all the parents. They're so cute. So cute and tiny. That is the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan is here at 11. Stay with us now for the new reality, followed by our anti-Asian racism special, Hidden Hate. Have a good night. See you tomorrow. <laughs>